chapter twenty one of sowing and reaping by francis e w harper this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter twenty one i cannot insure your life a single hour unless you quit business you are liable to be stricken with paralysis at any moment if once subject to the least excitement can't you trust your business in the hands of your sons doctor said john anderson i have only two boys my oldest went west several years ago and never writes to us unless he wants something and as to frank if i would put the concern into his hands he would drink himself into the grave in less than a month the whole fact is this my children are the curse of my life and there was bitterness in the tone of john anderson as he uttered these words of fearful sorrow well said the doctor you must have rest and quiet or i will not answer for the consequences rest and quiet said john anderson to himself i don't see how i am to get it with such a wife as i've always worrying and bothering me about something mr anderson said one of the servants mrs anderson says please come as quick as possible into mr frank's room what's the matter now i don't know but mr frank's acting mighty queer he thinks there are snakes and lizards crawling over him he's got the horrors just what i expected tell me about rest and quiet i'll be there in a minute oh what's the matter i feel strange said anderson falling back on the bed suddenly stricken with paralysis while in another room lay his younger son a victim to delirium tremens and dying in fearful agony the curse that john anderson had sent to other homes had come back darkened with the shadow of death to brood over his own habitation his son is dying but he has no word of hope to cheer the parting spirit as it passed out into the eternity for him the darkness of the tomb is not gilded with the glory of the resurrection the best medical skill has been summoned to the aid of john anderson but neither art nor skill can bind anew the broken threads of life the chamber in which he is confined is a marvel of decoration light streams into his home through panes of beautifully stained glass pillows of the softest down are placed beneath his head beautiful cushions lie at his feet that will never take another step on the errands of sin but no appliances of wealth can give peace to his guilty conscience he looks back upon the past and the retrospect is a worse than wasted life and when the future looms up before him he shrinks back from the contemplation for the sins of the past throw their shadow over the future he has houses money and land but he is a pauper in his soul and a bankrupt in his character in his eager selfish grasp for gold he has shrivelled his intellect and hardened and dried up his heart and in so doing he has cut himself off from the richest sources of human enjoyment he has wasted life's best opportunities and there never was an angel however bright terrible and strong that ever had power to roll away the stone from the grave of a dead opportunity and what john anderson has lost in time he can never make up in eternity he has formed no taste for reading and thus has cut himself off from the glorious companionship of the good the great and the wise of all ages he has been selfish mean and grasping and the blessing of the poor and needy 
never fall as benedictions on his weary head and in that beautiful home with disease and death clutching at his heart-strings he has wealth that he cannot enjoy luxuries that pall upon his taste and magnificence that can never satisfy the restless craving of his soul his life has been a wretched failure he neglected his children to amass the ways of iniquity and their coldness and indifference pierce him like poisoned arrows marriage has brought him money but not the sweet tender ministrations of loving wifely care and so he lives on starving in the midst of plenty dying of thirst with life's sweetest fountains eluding his grasp charles romaine is sleeping in a drunkard's grave after the death of his boy there was a decided change in him night after night he tore himself away from john anderson's saloon and struggled with the monster that had enslaved him and for a while victory seemed to be perching on the banner of his resolution another child took the place of the first-born and the dead and hope and joy began to blossom around jeanette's path his mother who had never ceased to visit the house marked the change with great satisfaction and prevailed upon his father to invite charles and jeanette to a new year's dinner only a family gathering jeanette being unwell excused herself from going and charles went alone jeanette felt a fearful foreboding when she saw him leaving the door and said to herself i hope his father will not offer him wine i am so afraid that something will happen to him and yet i hated to persuade him not to go his mother might think i was averse to his reconciliation with his father it looks very natural to have charles with us again said mrs romaine looking fondly on her son yes it seems like old times when i always had my seat next to yours and i hope said his father it will never be vacant so long again the dinner hour passed on enlivened by social chat and pleasant reminiscences and there was nothing to mar the harmony of the occasion mrs romaine had been careful to keep everything from the table that would be apt to awaken the old appetite for liquor but after dinner mr romaine invited charles into the library to smoke here said he handing him a cigar is one of the finest brands i have smoked lately and by the way here is some rare old wine more than twenty-five years old which was sent to me yesterday by an old friend and college classmate of mine let me pour you out a glass charles suddenly became agitated but as his father's back was turned to him pouring out the wine he did not notice the sudden paling of his cheek and the hesitation of his manner and charles checking back his scruples took the glass and drained it to the bottom there is a fable that a certain king once permitted the devil to kiss his shoulder and out of those shoulders sprang two serpents that in the fury of their hunger aimed at his head and tried to get at his brain he tried to extricate himself from their terrible power he tore at them with his fingers and found that it was his own flesh that he was lacerating dormant but not dead was the appetite for strong drink in charles romaine and that one glass awakened the serpent coiled up in his flesh he went out from his father's house with a newly awakened appetite clamouring and raging for strong drink every saloon he passed adding intensity to his craving at last his appetite overmastered him and he almost rushed into a saloon and waited impatiently till he was served every nerve seemed to be quivering with excitement restlessness and there was a look of wild despairing anguish on his face as he clutched the glass to allay the terrible craving of his system he drank till his head was giddy and his gait was staggering and then started for home he entered the gate and slipped on the ice and being too intoxicated to rise or comprehend his situation he lay helpless in the dark and cold 
until there crept over him that sleep from which there is no awakening and when morning had broken in all its glory charles romaine had drifted out of life slain by the wine which at last had bitten like an adder and stung like a serpent jeanette had waited and watched through the small hours of the night till nature or wearied had sought a repose in sleep and rising very early in the morning she had gone to the front door to look down the street for his coming when the first object that met her gaze was the lifeless form of her husband one wild and bitter shriek rent the air and she fell fainting on the frozen corpse her friends gathered round her all that love and tenderness could do was done for the wretched wife but nothing could erase from her mind one agonizing sorrow it was the memory of her fatal triumph over his good resolution years ago at her mother's silver wedding carelessly she had sowed the seeds of transgression whose fearful yield was a harvest of bitter misery mrs clifford came to her in her hour of trial and tried to comfort and sustain the heart-stricken woman who had tried to take life easy but found it terribly hard and she has miserably succeeded in the home of her cousin she is trying to bear the burden of her life as well as she can her eye never lights up with joy the bloom and flush have left her careworn face tears from her eyes long used to weeping have blenched the colouring of her life existence and she is passing through life with the shadow of the grave upon her desolate heart jogoff has been true to his pledge plenty and comfort have taken the place of poverty and pain he continued his membership with the church of his choice and mary is also striving to live a new life and to be the ministering angel that keeps his steps and he feels that in answer to prayer his appetite for strong drink has been taken away life with mrs clifford has become a thing of brightness and beauty and when children sprang up in her path making gladness and sunshine around her home she was a wife and tender mother fond but not foolish firm in her household government but not stern and unsympathizing in her manner the faithful friend and companion of her daughters she won their confidence by her loving care and tender caution she taught them to come to her in their hours of perplexity and trial and to keep no secrets from her sympathizing heart she taught her sons to be as upright in their lives and as pure in their conversation as she would have her daughters recognizing for each only one code of morals and one law of spiritual life and in course of time she saw her daughters ripening into such a beautiful womanhood and her sons entering the arena of life not with the simplicity which is ignorant of danger and evil but with the sterling integrity which baffles the darts of temptation with the panoply of principle and the armour of uprightness unconsciously she elevated the tone of society in which she moved by a life which was a beautiful and earnest expression of patient continuance in well-doing paul clifford's life has been a grand success not in the mere accumulation of wealth but in the enrichment of his moral and spiritual nature he is still ever ready to lend a helping hand he has not lived merely for wealth and enjoyment but happiness lasting and true springs up in his soul as naturally as a flower leaps into blossoms and whether he is loved or hated honoured or forgotten he constantly endeavours to make the world better by his example and gladdened by his presence feeling that if every one would be faithful to duty that even here eden would spring up in our path and paradise be around our way end of chapter twenty one end of sowing and reaping by francis c w harper